0: It takes to make a shot at that range. Everything comes into play that far. Humidity, elevation, temperature, wind, spin drift. This is 6 to 10 second flight time, so you have to shoot it where the target's going to be. Even the Coriolis effect, the spin of the earth, comes into play.
1: Be advised I'm mean, nasty, and tired. I eat
0: Constantino wire and piss napalm, and I can put a round to a fleas to ass at 200 meters. 870 yards and closing. Wind, three-quarter value, push to left.
1: How can you shoot women, children? Easy. You Just don't lead them so much. This is my rifle, this is my gun. This is what's mine, this is what's mine. Jesus, earth is dying. Help me, Jesus. He's
0: dying. We've Hey, everybody. Tyler and Ray here for the Sub-MOA Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us for today's episode. Enjoy. Today is February 25th. I believe it is a Tuesday, 2020. Ray, how you doing over there?
1: I'm doing well over here.
0: So um, busy, busy weekend for you. And then, you know, you got your your studying and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just been me and you just kind of circling each other trying to, you know, get the same schedule lined up so that we could get this week's episode out. And uh, it's just been a challenge this week, huh?
1: Yeah, it has been. Um, I also just redid my whole schedule. I uh, put some more restrictions on myself just because, you know, when you don't have like a dedicated schedule, you kind of start starbursting and doing other things and not getting to the important stuff
0: shit even when i have (laughs) a schedule i starburst
1: yeah so i put a strict schedule i was like you got to wake up at this time you're going to do this amount of workout you're going to do this type of study you're going to have lunch you can do another four hours of studying, and then you have class and you work out after that and then on this day you're going to reload and on this day you're going to dry fire and on this day you get free today and uh, this day is free to make do some makeup or you know social hour
0: <laughs> oh my god I can't believe you have to schedule that
1: yes 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 when you're busy you have to schedule things and if you don't you won't get to them
0: oh I I completely agree like I've had to really tighten down my schedule um you know like I, I try and get up every single day at five thirty now it doesn't always work that way because some nights I will just be burning that candle, you know, until yeah. it's gone. Um, you know, but most of the time I'm up at 5:30 and I have built my, you know, like my habit or you know, kind of like my daily schedule. How the day starts with getting up, going to the gym, and getting my workout in. That's how I start my day, and uh, you know after that, then things, you know, kind of become a little bit disarrayed. You got a, I got a list of things that have to get done, whether it's, you know, administrative or, you know, things for classes or emails, you know, so there's a, a period of time where it's just like, okay, start getting your to-do list checked off, you know, and it's just like one by one. Okay, got this done, got this done. Um, but I it,
1: love making to-do lists. It is yeah. a good pleasure of mine. I know it's weird, but I love getting, putting stuff down and then crossing it off. I love that.
0: Yeah, I love it too. I just (laughs) wish that every time I cross something off, I didn't have something new to put on that damn list. Uh, (laughs) You know, like the list is a very fluid, it is alive. The to-do list has a, a mind of its own and it just continues to grow, um, you know, but it's interesting you brought up like, you know, schedule your time to dry fire because we are going to be talking about dry fire practice this, uh, this episode. And, you know, as me and you sit here and talk about getting this schedule put together, um, you know, and depending on the person like me, you, even though we both have schedules that help structure our day, we might have a little bit different restrictions or, you know, flexibility in those schedules depending on how it lines up. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, so mine has to have a little bit more flexibility, whereas, you know, you have a pretty set schedule with your school and stuff like that. So, um, but even after you get your, you know, kind of your habits set and your schedule going, it still has the ability to change. And that's kind of one thing that I've looked at is you know that it's not an end-all be-all like i've set I've, i've set this schedule up so that it will make me more efficient but i'm constantly learning and adapting that schedule to benefit me does that make sense
1: yeah yeah
0: um but yeah that's a that's a great point you know just just trying to be as most efficient and effective with your time. Um, it could get hard. Of
1: course, I can work with everything too. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And then and, and there's there's just so much shit to distract you from too. You know. So you know, the
1: you Phone. Have, social media is a huge one.
0: All of it. You know. And it's like, yeah, you gotta you gotta get it's to the point where one. you just don't use that shit you have to put it down face down and and not look at it not let the notifications you know grab your attention and just do what you got to do um but yeah the the distractions is that one's rough you know
1: Yeah. yeah
0: so uh well i mean kind of our topics for today is I did the loophole tracking test for one out of three scopes. And I want to talk about it because the test actually came out really, really awesome. And uh, we're going to touch on some physical fitness. Not so much like, hey, everybody, you need to go out there and and move that weight around. But just some of the benefits and maybe negatives that we've seen. Um, We'll touch on the Avenal match that you just competed in, the Vegas match that I was a part of. Some dry fire practice and what would go into that, and just different mindsets, thought processes, and then some training targets, and then you're gonna hit us with a raised challenge, right?
1: Yes, yes, my challenge.
0: Perfect. So something that uh, you know everybody that's coming to our match this uh, this weekend is uh, is gonna hate you for all over again. So, uh, so yeah, let's get started. Uh, we'll talk about the the tracking test. So for the tracking test, I, I know that there's targets out there that I could probably purchase or I could make something in Photoshop and send it to Kinko's or office depot or whatever. And
1: is is Kinko's even a thing anymore?
0: I I don't know. Am I showing my age? Because I know that name.
1: I don't think they're around anymore.
0: Well, um, (laughs) right (laughs) now. So, uh, you know, I, there's many ways that I could go about making this test. Um, but what I ended up doing is I'm using a mill scope and, you know, one mill at 100 yards is 3.6 inches. And if you really want to get technical, it's like uh, 3.97 inches. So it's, it's 3.6, right? So what I ended up doing was getting some like foam board, Um, and screwing it to a target stand and using some crafting like little black pasties that are one inch big and then a two inch outer ring so that I have a one MOA and a two MOA circle right and then my aiming point was at the bottom of the target and all of you guys you know you're as you're listening you'll be able to view this target and what I did for the tracking test on our social media later this afternoon or on YouTube. So what I was doing, Ray, is shooting my group at the zero box. And then I dialed two mils, shot two rounds. I dialed five mils, shot two rounds, dialed 10, shot two, and then dialed 15, shot two, and then brought it all the way back to zero, just to make sure that my scope returned to zero. And i was thoroughly thoroughly impressed and when you think about like let's take your rifle or my rifle we're both shooting 6xc right
1: yes sir uh well one of them
0: one of them right and uh, (laughs) you know so like i dialed two mils and still aiming at that zero box my impacts went into the two mil one moa circle and i'm hell yeah right that's the exact results that i want but it's not enough travel for you to like have confidence that it's tracking. So then you go more. So now I'm at five mils. Aim at the zero box send two rounds. And I mean, smack dab center. It was perfect. And you think about five mils on a six millimeter, that's a 900 yard shot, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so the scope is tracking true out the 900 yards right now. That's, i have established since
1: and this shoot, is all three scopes what's that this is all three that you've tested
0: yeah the the one specific that i'm talking about is the 7 to 35 power leupold mark 5 hd and uh oh. so you know shot five mils boom it's right where it should be in that five mil circle dial to 10 and this might be where you start to see maybe some lower quality scopes or scopes that have tracking issues start to falter, right? You're starting to get up into, you know, the second or the two-thirds portion of the scope operating mechanics. Um, So, I shoot two rounds and center, you know, like it it doesn't get more center than that 10 mil shot that I sent. So, 10 mils, Ray, 6 millimeter, do you know roundabout what dope that might be?
1: Oh gosh, probably around like twelve.
0: All right, so I have the ballistic calculator pulled up right now. It is thirteen hundred and fifty yards. Okay. So
1: depends on
0: the DA, bro. Yeah. So <laughs> dialing ten mils, still aiming for that zero box, and having my rounds impact in the ten mil circle, and it's spot on. So I've got extreme confidence right now that this scope is doing everything it's supposed to do all the way out to 1350, right? So then I dial on the last five mils. So now I'm aiming for the zero box and I'm shooting 15 mils high. And I got that one MOA circle, right? Both rounds are in the black circle, but they're at the very bottom edge. So, I'm kind of looking at this data and saying, okay, is is 15 mils where the scope starts to lose tracking? Or was it something that I did? You know, was I not not aiming at the right spot um, on the zero box? But then at the same time, you think about a one MOA circle. From center, the bottom edge is 0.15 mils so my my two shots were within 0.1 mils of center of that circle you know so at the same time like you could be you could be hyper critical of this tracking test and say well you know it's 0.1 mils low at 15 mils but in reality like that's a quarter mla <laughs> you know like de- but
1: also it's you are shooting it bipods in a bag
0: exactly you know there could be some shooter error built in there it, yeah. you could have a funky position I mean there's so many things so I guess like you know I don't want people to look at this and be like oh the, the loophole failed at 15 mils because it's 0.1 mils below center like I don't really believe that I, I think that it passed the test and 0.1 mils and it is an acceptable margin of of error in my opinion, with all of the factors considered, you know, the scope, the rifle, the ammo, the shooter, like, do you agree? Or, or, oh,
1: yeah, there's so many other variables, you know, that could affect that.
0: Exactly. So I really felt like even 15, um, you know, even though it wasn't dead center of the circle, I still looked at it and I'm like, how could I not be extremely confident and pleased with what I just did? You know, and
1: then from there, you dial back down to zero.
0: Yeah. And it went right back to the zero box. So, I mean, it it was pretty awesome. Um, and 15 mils for everybody listening is about 1,650 yards. So I have extreme confidence in this optic all the way out to 1,650. I mean, this is a test that you guys should do at home. And like I said, you could do the same thing I did. Take a ruler, measure out your dialing distances And you're aiming for the same spot for every shot you take, even when you dial. Uh, But you're just. So, how did
1: you level that target out there?
0: So, what I did is, uh, you know, the ground is not completely flat out at Desert Sportsman. Yes, I know. Did you do what I
1: told you to do?
0: Yeah, I did. So, what Ah! I did is, uh, um, you know, it's in what, what everybody needs to understand what Ray's talking about is in order for the groups to be where they're supposed to be on the target, right? Cause I'm aiming at the same little square at the bottom of the target while I'm dialing. So my impacts are going up the target the entire time. If the target's not level and it's canted one way or the other, well, the scope is going to track straight up and down and the target's not straight up and down. So I'm going to start missing the circle and it's going to give me a false negative, right? It's going to give me bad results. So I took the target out there ray and you know what i did here at home is i built this target and i made sure that the poster board was level on the stand so i measured from the bottom edge of the legs 12 inches screwed the poster board in and then when i took it out to the range i took a level with me and i put the target down put the level on. Nope. Not good. Put some uh, wood and rocks underneath one of the legs, check the level. Now it was over good. So then I had to remove some, but I got it to where it was perfect. And you can even see results in the target. Like my bullet impacts go straight up and straight back down. There's no left and right deviation. I mean, it, it worked like a charm. So um, I'm going to have to
1: do that with my scopes. I actually have, uh, Think 2016, my first shot show. I, I went to the Horace booth or one of the booths, and I picked up one of those scope tracking, and it's like huge. Uh, and I have to get that done pretty soon.
0: Definitely, uh, yeah. it's a great test to do. And for all of you wondering, like, okay, cool, you did this test, you have confidence in your scope. It's not just about confidence in the scope, but if you're using a ballistic calculator. The ballistic calculator is not factoring in that your scope does not track true. It is only calculating your trajectory and telling you what drop you would have at a certain distance and what you would have to compensate for that bullet drop. So if your scope is not tracking true, and there's actually somebody that we both know, Ray, that was having this issue. Um, not going to say the name or the scope right now, but he was getting his muzzle velocity using uh, multiple chronographs and he was using multiple chronographs because he was having such inconsistent data at distance. So he's using multiple chronographs. He's getting the exact same muzzle velocity for every chronograph. And then when he plugs all of it into his ballistic calculator, double, triple, quadruple checking that he's got the right bullet, he's got everything set correctly he's still not able to hit the target dialing what the calculator said and it's because his scope was not tracking and that's a big deal right you know so his calculator is telling him one thing but his scope is not achieving those same results because it's not actually dialing what it's supposed to um so that was an issue if you do run into something like that, um, you will have to go the old school method and you will have to gather all of your data for each hundred yards, the old school way, shoot, adjust,
1: shoot.
0: Yep. Record your dope, move on to the next target. Like you got a scope that doesn't track true. Maybe you're not able to buy a new scope right now or, you know, whatever the case is, if you have to shoot that scope, you're going to have to manually collect that data. And as long as that scope is consistent, it might not be tracking true, but if it's, if it's wrong, but consistently wrong, at least you got the consistency part down. Right.
1: One, one time I was using a scope that didn't track. I just used Holdovers and that worked.
0: Right I do remember that. <laughs> that was at the uh, Burris Team Challenge.
1: Yes, yes, and I love the Horace reticle. <laughs>
0: it definitely worked Holdovers
1: out all day.
0: <laughs> yep. So, and that's another thing that you can do is not just <laughs> not just verify your data with the ballistic calculator, verify dialing, do a tracking test, but you can also verify dialing for the target and then holding with your reticle to make sure that they match up, right? Because that reticle should, unless it was engraved into that glass or etched into that glass wrong, it should be correct. Um, So, I mean, there's just, there's a lot that goes into it and you're relying on mechanical instrument. So, It's just another one of those things. Like you don't want to have to question it or, you know, lose confidence that your scope might not be doing what you, what it should be. So this was an awesome test. I can't wait to get the video posted up so everybody can see it and, and uh, really see what a a awesome piece of glass that loophole is. Um, Ray, I definitely think that you should do the test with your Collis, you know, I
1: will because I have to um, once I get my, rifle in, which should be this week. I'm going to be mounting my scope with the new spur mount, which is the one where I can push it a little bit forward on my rail. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be doing the videos and I'm going to be doing the scope tracking test. So it'll be good. Oh, and I also want to talk about, so I was just, you know, at the match and uh, Daryl and Scott were talking about how they were using different bipods and stuff like that for F-Class and I was like, you know what? I have the AccuTech 50 bipod. Yeah. It is wide and sturdy and I'm like, you know what? This is perfect for loan development. So I will be using that bipod <clears throat> for load development from now on because it's so wide. It's so stable. Like it's kind of like sh- shooting off one of those like slits. Oh yeah. Like I mean,
0: those bipods are legit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'd use them in competition, but I for sure wouldn't mind using them for load development, data collection, you know,
1: yeah, yeah. I I'm using it for load development. Um, uh, but right now my bipods have the pick attachment. Um, uh, so I need to get the ARCA attachment because all my other rifles have ARCA rails on them. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm getting that shipped to me this week.
0: Well that makes sense. Um <laughs> You're gonna to have to post up a picture or something like that of those bipods and kind of give everybody an idea of what you're talking about. Um, oh,
1: it's huge! It's so big and it's beefy and it's it's
0: nice. It's really <laughs> nice. <laughs> the uh, I so funny story about spur. You know, I got the Leopold and you and I have been running spur for a, a couple of years now, and yeah, a few
1: years.
0: I got the Leopold <clears throat> A 35 millimeter tube, so
1: oh, 35. Hmm.
0: All of my old spur mounts won't work, and uh, you know. So, um, if you guys don't know, Hakan is the owner of Spur, and you know, he. If you have any kind of question, he is a very awesome dude to reach out to and ask anything that you want. Like if you have a question about what mount you need, or what, what, would be the best setup for your gun? I mean, he'll ask you some questions and then boom, he'll spout it off. Like, this is what you need. And it's like, Oh shit. Okay.
1: You're going to flood his inbox now.
0: I know. Um, <laughs> you know so, so I hit him up. I'm like, Hey man, I need to purchase another one of your mounts. I got the Leupold is a 35 millimeter tube. And you know, I also have the new XLR chassis, which has that barrel shroud on it. So the scope has to sit a little higher and uh, instantly, he's like, okay, you need SP5001. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. So I got it in, and I got it all mounted up, and oh my gosh, Ray, it's just, uh, it's nice. You, those, those spur mounts are hard to beat, right?
1: Yeah, I just love all the accessories you can attach to it, too.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a few pick reps for it, and you know, I'm not using them all, but... You know how I get, I just start screwing shit on top of shit because it's there, but, uh, you know, and then it comes with that wedge system. So every spur mount has a wedge system built into it so that you can instantly level your optic to your rifle. Um, so it's a perfect setup and, uh, you know, I just can't say enough good things about the spur, but I'm happy that I finally got one that will fit my new scope. So I figured I'd throw that out there since you had brought it up. But uh, before we keep getting lost on tangents, uh, I know you got some stuff to do today. So let's uh, move on to physical fitness. This was um, kind of a question brought on by like a friend of Max Ordnett, Um And we don't want to beat it so hard that everybody feels like you have to be a gym rat, right? Um, yeah. But the way that he's asking the question, he really wanted to know, like, not necessarily what our specific workouts were down to the period, but, you know, how has it been helping? Um, what, what positive results have we seen and what negative results have we seen? And has it been weight training? What about stretching, cardio? And, you know, you and I are on completely different workout plans and we both have different goals. So I know for me, like I've been, I don't want to say cardio light because I'm still running on average of three and a half to four miles per day. Um, but it's not as cardio heavy as it will be as we get closer to sniper adventure challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: But I haven't skipped the cardio. I've continued to keep it into my program. Um, the weight training, I'm definitely on a, like a strength building program right now. Um, I've got six weeks left before I cycle off this program and move into something different. So right now it's all about Olympic lifting, power lifting and strength building. Um, and for me, When we talk about like how's it been helping? Well, the strength part is huge. You know, um, getting in and out of positions like effortlessly. You know, up down shit like that. You know, like I'm not struggling to get up off the ground or things of that nature because the the strength is there, right? And then you pair that with the cardio, and you know, it's, it's working out. But kind of the negative side is that i've I've watched my flexibility go down quite a bit
1: you focusing on because you're not stretching
0: I am stretching, but um I'm still seeing like you know as my strength increases as you know my mass is getting a little bit bigger my my flexibility is going down a little bit and for me like I notice that I have to stretch. Longer and multiple times throughout the day. Well, maybe
1: you're just getting older.
0: Oh, that could be it too. Um, You know, but the stretching part, uh, some of the positions that that you get put into, you know, not being flexible can have an adverse effect on your ability to apply the fundamentals in certain positions. Oh,
1: for sure. There was this one position and uh, it was a low position and I uh, had my legs kind of like like froggy style okay and my, my butt touched the ground like that's how I was sitting oh yeah yeah and I'm like wow I'm a lot more flexible than I thought I was gonna be and once my butt hit that ground and I was shooting I was like oh this is stable this is nice you know yeah. so stretching and being flexible is very very important in shooting
0: I couldn't agree more. And that's why I pay such, such close attention to how my body is reacting, um, you know, to my program or, or whatever it is I'm doing is to, to stay fit is the stretching part. You know, that can have an adverse effect on how you shoot. So, you know, definitely paid attention to that, but then with being such a heavy weight regiment, um, and I'm not by any means a, what do they call those people? You know, like I don't have any degrees or, or crazy education in all of this stuff. Like I read things online. I I look for verification. I find programs and I try to tailor them to what I want. Um, and I have friends in the fitness industry that help me along as well. Um, you know, but, a lot of it is just uh, trial and error. And one of the big things that I've noticed, Ray, is my water intake is, uh, like I've had to really force myself to drink the right amount of water every day. Cause if I don't, I start to cramp just doing the most basic shit. Like I was in a prone I was just shooting groups and uh, then I would move over and shoot some long range to verify some data and check my wind calls and stuff like that and you know I wasn't squeezing very hard but I was also dehydrated that day and my non-firing hand the hand that was gripping the rear bag like it started to like cramp up pretty bad I mean like you know like I don't know. You just look at this thing and you'd be like, well, Tyler, what's wrong with your hand? I'd be like, I don't know. I can't get it. to stop, you know? And
1: uh, no.
0: to the point where it was like uncomfortable, you know, like I had to stop what I'm doing and like sit there and like stretch my fingers out. And it's like, oh my God, you know what, what is going on here? Um, you know, so I can feel if my body is dehydrated or if it is properly hydrated, like I could feel the effects of that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's little things like that, that I have to pay attention to as I change my, my training program and stuff like that. Um, but I want to hear do, yours. Do you
1: want to know what my parents would say? Eat a banana.
0: I eat a crap ton of bananas. That wow. is like, that is like, my breakfast every
1: <laughs> Carol, day. eat a banana.
0: <laughs> banana. And some Nutella every morning. That is my jam right there. <laughs> so um but yeah.
1: <laughs> you're okay.
0: <laughs> so you know, when we talk about like the benefits, but then there's also, you know, the adverse side. And it's not like it's not like working out is a bad thing. It's just you have to pay attention to as you change and adapt your body what are some of the other things that you're going to have to pay attention to? Like, you know, your body doesn't become as flexible anymore. Um, yeah. And that's- well, I mean,
1: I, I've noticed like since last year I wasn't active really. And then this year I made it a point to get back into the gym and work out. And my body is like, what are you doing, Ray? We haven't done this in a while. <laughs> this is not, this is not nice. So it's, I've been feeling some, some issues with
0: that, you know? Uh, Some other spots that you'll, you know, when we talk about like being flexible, stretching, um, you know, cramping, not having enough water, um, you know, get down into a kneeling position, Ray. And, you know, the kneeling position is not low enough for you to sit on that heel or maybe it is maybe you got to tuck your toe so that it lifts you up just high enough to get that good supported position. Right. But either way, that leg that is in the down position, like that has been, I'd say at least the past couple weeks, I've noticed that I start to cramp up in that foot, which is yeah. not an issue that I've had in the past. Um, you know, so it's it's little things like that that I'm really trying to pay attention to. And you had mentioned that you bought a row machine and you've incorporated that into your living room exercises. And how is it's that? not
1: in the living room anymore. <laughs> it's, it's really good, but I also do, uh, I started, uh, I stopped swimming in December. December was the last time I swam. And then I'm starting it back up again. Uh, I do it at school, which is great because I just do it after class or before class. I'm also incorporating other things too. Like I try to go hiking every Saturday, every weekend if I'm home. And I kind of, you know, try to change it up. I got back into, or I'm getting back into top roping with my girlfriends at school Mm because they have one in our gym. And yeah, that's, and you know, just, Change it up; it's fun.
0: Yeah, it's definitely fun. Uh, Works the muscles completely different way. Um, Really tendency to stretch everything out.
1: That's one thing I really, really need to force myself to do is stretch. Like I'm like I should do yoga. I should do some Pilates or something. But I just I rather lift weights. (laughs) Uh, But one thing I do do when I swim is after I swim. I'm done with my session. I always stretch out in the pool and it's, it's helped a lot.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, we talk about weight training, we talk about cardio and stretching. I would say if I had to put them in an order to be most beneficial for what we do for the sport of precision rifle shooting, and I'm not talking about crazy matches like sniper adventure challenge we're just talking about NRL, PRS, some of the positions you'll find yourself in. I'd say the order of importance, and you, you can agree or disagree. Ray, tell us what you think. But I would say stretching is number yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Cardio is number two, and weight training would be number three. Right? Um, in terms of having a a you know a decent or a massive amount of strength, I don't know if that is such a huge benefit compared to being flexible or, you know, not being out of breath because you had to change positions four times, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. And then like, you don't have to shoot a 30 pound rifle.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, that's the order of importance I would put them in. And, uh, you know, at a minimum, w- whether you guys are, um, you know, junkies for the gym or you're not, it, you know, it's, uh, it's your decision. So no judgment on this end. I would say if you can maybe incorporate some stretching into your dry fire practice or, you know, your range time or shit, you know, laying in bed, like I've, I've laid in bed and stretched my hamstrings before I roll over on my belly, stretch my quads out, um, you know, lean forward, stretch my lower back, you know, like You just got to get it in where you could fit it in. And sometimes that means while you're laying in bed. So.
1: You know what I really like to do? I have one of those over the door pull up bars. Oh yeah. And I like to hang from it and just stretch out my back. It just feels good.
0: Yep. Yep. So. Uh, And that, you know what, it's interesting you bring up that, that pull-up bar that hangs from the doorway, uh, because I feel like it kind of ties into our dry fire practice that we're going to talk about, but, you know, let's say you're a person who has the aspirations of, I don't know, maybe doing 20 pull-ups in a row, or, you know, you want to do toes to bar, like 10 or 20 of them uh, without stopping, right? but you're not physically at that level yet. So you have these goals of doing that. How do you make it so that it's easier for you to accomplish that goal? Well, it would be something like that pull-up bar you're talking about, where it hangs in the doorway. And every time you walk past it, you force yourself to do X amount of pull-ups. Or, you know, like you're making it convenient for you to do these things. And then, you know, for me, like, I've made things easy for myself to accomplish my goals. Uh, Some of them anyways, Um, you know, but if I'm walking past that pull-up bar, like I'll look at it and I'm like, Oh, you know, I just, I need to go get a glass of water, but then I'll shame myself into doing pull-ups anyway. (laughs) Like stop being a little bitch, go get on that bar right now, you know, go earn your water. like, damn it. Okay. Uh, You know, so whatever your mindset has to be, but if you can make it convenient for you to work on your goals, then you're going to be more apt to doing it. And it does tie into what we're going to talk about a little bit later with the dry firing practice. Um, you know, so good call on that pull up bar and uh, bringing that up, but um, you got anything left on, on physical fitness. I thought it was a pretty cool question to uh, recap on just the benefits and, and downsides and our experiences, but you know, there's not much outside of that, that I have to say no it's it's pretty good yeah okay so um a couple matches that uh, you and i have both participated in recently i didn't get to make it to the avanol match i'm just swamped with administration stuff and you know but uh you went to it and then i went to the vegas local match uh two weekends ago so let's hear about the avanol match it's uh they have a two-day match coming up next month, which I will be at.
1: They do. You guys should sign up. There's only a couple slots left. They're going to cap it pretty soon. And it's in California, in Avenal, California, kind of by Bakersfield.
0: Yep. And it
1: is a PRS two-day national match.
0: Yeah, so it's a two-day match. It's run by a PRS organization. And the guys that are running the match are solid dudes. I mean, Charlie and Ryan; those are the match directors, right, Ray?
1: Uh, Ryan, Kerr, and Scott Woodhouse.
0: Okay, okay. So Ryan Kerr. Um, sorry, I thought Charlie was involved with this one, but uh, he
1: might. He might, but I, I'm not quite sure. But I know Scott Woodhouse is.
0: Yeah. Co-maker. So, so Scott runs those matches normally, right?
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: And, and Ryan is a long-time competitive shooter, and every time he's been involved with a match it's been awesome yeah and then you look at this facility and it is a different kind of facility and uh, if you were to look at it originally you might be like oh it's kind of limited but the way that they've maximized the use of this place it's a really cool place to shoot and it is challenging and the scenery the terrain is just it's amazing while you're up on that hill It was all green.
1: Like, the other day, it was pretty, it was gorgeous.
0: Yeah, walking from position to position, it's just, it's pretty cool just to be out there. And, uh, you know, because of how they have the stages set up and the different angles of fire, and I'm not really talking about up or down angle, but left, right, different degrees that you'll be shooting. You know, from one position to the next, it could be a completely different wind call. And then it likes to swirl in that bowl a little bit, too. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was just, like these wind targets were like, okay, the first four were that were closer, I had to hold wind. And the two farther ones was on a different mountain. I had to hold straight up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's just a, it's a fun place to shoot. It'll be challenging. You'll definitely get some good practice with wind and things like that. And, you know, their match last year was pretty damn smooth. I mean, I don't remember... To be honest with you, I don't remember a single hiccup with the match that they ran last year.
1: They ran two, and it was flawless.
0: Yeah, so uh, just good people, good match, and I encourage everybody to go check it out. It is the the Sharpshooter Showdown, right, Ray?
1: Yeah. If you go on my Instagram page, I do have a link on my bio to that match.
0: Yeah. So, awesome facility, and uh, just kind of give us a you know a rundown. You know, like I text you after the match was over. How did it go what did you do and you're like well i didn't win i'm like okay
1: <laughs> i didn't win i didn't do well and i didn't do bad and it's been since uh the nrl championship was like pretty much the last time i practiced and then i kind of just picked up my rifle for the retro tprc but it's just I have not practiced since then. And it showed it really, really, really showed. It's like, I was taking shots. I wasn't supposed to, like, I knew it too. And I was like, eh, it's good enough. I'm like, I'm seeing that reticle move. I'm like, going I'm good time. It's just like a mover.
0: <laughs> yeah. yep. No way. No. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um... Yeah.
1: It was all me and I wasn't practicing and it showed and I will change that. You know, I have, dry fire practice, uh, scheduled in, you know, I have range time scheduled in.
0: Yeah. And you got that, that exact same facility next month. So you definitely know what you got to work on, which is a huge benefit. So, um, hopefully next time we talk about abanol it will be more successful conditions for you.
1: And it, you know, the conditions were great. Like there was like barely any wind, like, yeah. <laughs> it was me 100%.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I miss that place. It's, it's, a, it's a cool place. And for all of you who are like, oh, it's in California, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, bolt-action rifles are not illegal in California, okay? Your 10-round mag is fine.
1: You can look, camp there.
0: Yeah, you can camp there. Look at the laws in California, okay? You'll notice that... You just got to put your rifle in a case. That's it. Like, uh, your long
1: rifle? Not even, actually.
0: Oh, okay. So, like I said, look your, it up online. Pistol for sure. yeah. Yeah, if you have a pistol, it has to be locked up in, in, in a case, but your rifle, like, you know, it's not a big deal to come to California and shoot a precision rifle match. Uh, you know, like, I know everybody thinks that it's crazy state, which I agree. There's a lot of stupid gun laws, but your bolt action guns are fine. Um, yeah. you know, so don't let that be a deterrent for you not coming to what's going to be a pretty awesome match. So, um, the Vegas match, uh, we had the desert desert, uh, or yeah, desert sportsman match, uh, like last weekend or the weekend before, whatever it was. And well, Ray, I thought that I would be good. Um, you know, my, my rifle with the red and black barrel, the six XC, you know, the last time I shot it, it was, it was shooting just fine. I was like, okay, cool. You know, I'm at 1400 rounds and I was trying to pull like a Ray tactic out of my ass. Like I just keep shooting it and it'll be fine. And it wasn't, <laughs> um, I mean, one of the, one of the first stages, it wasn't too bad. Um, It was a spinner with a popper behind it. And yeah, you know, I got an average score on that. It wasn't, it wasn't anything crazy. And then the next stage was shoot from this barricade at this big ass diamond at 400 yards. And then move position, shoot it again, move position, shoot it again. And you're in this long, bermed up tunnel shooting this. There's like no wind. And my first shot goes high over the top left edge. And I'm like, oh shit, you know. So then I hold slightly low into the right, and I hit exactly where I was aiming. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I go back to center, and then I hit the left corner, and I'm like, what in the what in the hell is happening right now, right? <laughs> So I'm sitting there trying to evaluate, like, what did I do? You know, is this me? You know, was I like, was I fundamentally just broken? Like, you know, was I not thinking straight? So I'm sitting there thinking about what I've done and shit like that. Well, I'm up first on the very next stage, which is paper. to shoot. What's that? Is it
1: paper?
0: To shoot from a tripod at a KYL rack at 300 yards. Okay. So the stage kind of got a little messed up because we were supposed to have to shoot it prone, but it didn't work out that way. So they modified it. So what it was, Ray, is you shoot hit or miss all five targets. They don't count for anything. Then you restart from the left, the big target. And now, now it counts. Oh. You shoot and hit, shoot and hit the minute you miss. That's where you stop. Okay. And that's, that's how many points that you've collected, okay? Got it. The first target, Ray, is eight inches big at 300 yards.
1: <laughs> and you missed it, didn't you?
0: I didn't. I missed it the first time around. And I'm like, damn, that's weird. I went through that whole rack the first 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 go around. Didn't hit a single fucking thing.
1: <laughs> I'm like,
0: okay. I just watched every one of those shots. None of them are consistent, except they're all high. High left, high right. So then I'm like, all right, I'm a hold low. Boom, miss. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, I just zeroed a stage at 300 yards with an eight-inch target. You know, like, it was...
1: How many rounds did that barrel?
0: That that barrel is just over 1,400. Like, as I started... Ah.
1: 100
0: is nothing. I'm telling you right now, like...
1: How's your neck tension?
0: No. Like, the <laughs> rounds were good. These were the same rounds I had used in Arizona, and it was shooting... Sure. You're nine.
1: not the best reloader.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. You need to leave me alone, okay? So, get this, Ray. Out of nine stages, I zeroed three of them. I was just... It was not a fun time. Uh, <laughs> no. So, I mean, I got home and I'm like, okay, this this barrel's got to go. So I yanked it out of the chassis, put my other rifle in there, and, uh, you know, now I'm in that load testing phase. But, man, I had a hell of a time fighting where the impacts would be, you know. wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, wait. You might have been too fast to blame your barrel because 14 I know you guys say that's like your limit, but you know, me, I've stretched mine quite far.
0: Yes, but you're Maybe you
1: know a different scope on there with different rings. Why
0: would I, why would I put a different scope on there? My loophole is shooting amazing.
1: Well, sometimes you don't torque down. Things. That was
0: not the case. All right. Let's not talk about previous mistakes that I've had. I'm, I'm telling you, I was so frustrated with getting three zeros in one day, okay, I mean, I went back and looked at everything I mean, it was like a checklist. Are my action screws tight are is my scope tight? like do I see any movement in the scope i'm I'm telling you it was,
1: it was oh were you were you wearing uh what sunglasses were you wearing?
0: I was wearing clear everything you're thinking about right now, I've already thought about. Yeah. And ultimately what it came down to is I had, I had lost complete confidence in that barrel. And it wasn't some of the other sages. Like it was that 300 yard sage at an 8 yeah, target.
1: target. You can throw a rock at.
0: From a crux or tripod in the kneeling position,
1: yeah, that's pretty much shooting in the park.
0: you know, like when you experience that, you're just, yeah, I mean, my goodness, it was so anyways, it was a rough match, um, you know i didn't get I didn't get down on myself or anything, I was just like, okay, you know, something's not working here, and it's not worth me trying to test the barrel and see what's happening or if you know my loads needed to change like 1400 rounds for a six mil i'm okay with just let's pull this barrel let's get it rebarreled, and i'm going to use the backup rifle going forward Um, so yeah now i'm in the uh the load testing phase for the backup rifle and you know just as everything else in life is always perfect of course the new rifle does not like the load that the old rifle liked so
1: Of course, of course.
0: It's back to the drawing board. But uh, uh yeah. So
1: you try I wanna try those 109. What? You know, if you're
0: gonna try those, you have to let me know how the 109 burgers do. Um I just I don't know, like I, I'm I'm partial right now. I just don't know if I'm ready or willing to change yet. So
1: well I'm not quite sure because I'm doing a couple things where I'm trying to change over to six BRA this year and then my all my six XCs are almost done. So I have to rebarrel them soon. And I feel like I wanna go six creed more just because I can buy factory ammo.
0: <laughs> that is by far my thought process as well. Like I need a factory shooting rifle. Like
1: yeah.
0: I'm over This, oh my gosh, I have to shoot, I have no ammo, and now six hours of my life is dedicated to reloading, you know?
1: Yeah. Of course, I didn't meet my goal uh, for the Avanol because I loaded the day before. (laughs) Uh,
0: Of course you did. But
1: loaded, yes, I did.
0: So, uh, as far as the Vegas match is concerned, I mean, I had had those issues, um, but the stages were fun. There was some... uh, you know, there was some good stuff that the stages incorporated. And, you know, I definitely took some stuff away from it in, in terms of practicing some strategy stuff and observing the winds, and, you know, um, you know, just getting that stuff down. Um, so it was still a good time. There's still a lot of learning to be done. It was just having those issues was kind of a downer, but you know, you live and you learn you move on and that was it. So, but, uh, yeah. We'll see how this weekend goes at my match. I'm going to shoot it this time and you know, run the new rifle. Um, I spent, you know, yesterday doing the loophole tracking test, um, while also trying to find a good load for it and get some rounds down that barrel. So hopefully I don't have the muzzle velocity shift right in the middle. of yeah. the match, you Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I do want to say something. Uh, if I don't talk to you before your match, I want to wish you a happy real birthday because <laughs> oh. you are a leap year baby.
0: That and is you only get
1: one birthday every four years.
0: That is very true. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to, you know, having a real birthday and, uh, you know, shooting guns on my birthday. So what, what more could you ask for? Right.
1: That's what I love to do on my birthday. Shoot guns and eat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, oh, I appreciate it, Ray. This will be my ninth official birthday. So, um, yeah. Be a good be a good Saturday. Be a good Sunday, too, you know, with the match and everything. Um, I'm just – I am super grateful and also excited that every time we put a match out, it fills. You know, it's just – I love that people want to come out and – and better themselves. And, and I think that's why I like our competition format so much, Ray, because, you know, you get a chance to see the stages, practice on them, and then we run the match. And then you have that two and a half, three hour time period after the match to kind of go back and do some reconciliation, you know, like, why did I screw up so bad?
1: That's the best part because you're actually learning.
0: Yeah. And, uh, You know, like uh, Jeremy Ty brought this up uh, when I was talking to him. Um, You know, we talk about keeping notes and I I actually brought you up like after a match or after a stage for me personally, I have to write down what happened, like something good, something bad. What was my wind call? Was my dope off? Did I forget to dial? You know, like everything that encompassed that particular stage, I write it down so I can review it later. And, uh, you know, I know you do the same thing, but you are much more detailed in everything that you write and review. Um, You know, and and Jeremy talked about that being one of his goals for 2020 is keeping a, a journal of matches and stages. And that was one of the things that he liked about our match booklet is one page is the shooting stage description. And then the page right next to it is Kind of like a journal entry. You know, what are your goals for this stage? What's what's a realistic goal? Um, how did you do? What was your starting win call? Was your win call correct? What was the final win call? Like all of these things that you can write down.
1: You got to send me this match booklet.
0: Yeah, um, you know. So uh, the whole competition is designed for you to learn and get better. And I'm just I'm blown away that you know that people want to come out and shoot the match and, and, you know, spend a day at our facility. So, uh, truly humbled. And I thank everybody that, that comes out and, you know, lays it down. Um, you know, even when the top shooter only hits 26 out of 81, everybody's still smiling. Like,
1: <laughs> Well, that was a crazy day. <laughs> that
0: was, it was a crazy day. So, uh, anyways, uh, enough about matches, the kind of the main topic, for this episode is dry fire practice. And, you know, we've mentioned it before in the past. When you're dry firing, what are you looking for? And, you know, I see a lot of people dry fire. How fast can you rack the bolt? And, you know, how cool can you look for the gram? Um, But there's so much more to dry firing. Um, Establishing your natural point of aim and building that habit right what should your body feel like being in the perfect position and then doing it over and over and over again what should the perfect trigger pull feel like do you understand why you are holding the, the pistol grip that way and why your finger is set the way that it is and what are all of the things that you are doing how is it affecting you you know are you focusing on your breathing you know um i relate breathing a lot ray to like being a fighter okay or you know, anything that requires some type of breathing, weightlifting, you know, you got to breathe in weightlifting. <laughs> you can breathe in life. bro. That's, that's true. But you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, there's a certain method to the breathing, but as a fighter, you know, like as you throw a punch, you are exhaling or as you are getting hit, you are exhaling, right? There's a habitual breathing method to they, to those sports. Right. And it's the same thing with ours. Um, So as you're dry firing, are you building the habit of, you know, like that rhythm and you see pistol shooters do it all the time where they do like cadence shooting, you know, they start off slow fire, one, two, three, and then it gets faster and then faster. Right. But it's building that rhythm and you're kind of doing the same thing with your breathing, right. As you're dry firing, you know, you rack your bolt, you reset your hand, you inhale, exhale, focus on the reticle, press right and then breathe exhale focus on the reticle you know what I'm saying like it becomes a rhythm and uh, part of our discussion today is talking about breathing because as you get excited as you get your adrenaline as whatever situation you're in whether it be competition it be law enforcement military fucking you know all of these things hunting you know as these things become more stressful to you, the first thing that you forego is your breathing. um, Unless you build the habit of your body does it naturally. Now I know your body breathes naturally, but the way that you're supposed to shoot is on the exhale, right? For consistency. So have you built that habit of breathing in, out, fire, in, out, fire, right? So that should be part of your dry firing practice. And, um, natural respiratory pulse yeah so basically the the little notes i have written down here for dry fire practice is uh one you need to know what you're practicing for the dry fire right you don't want it to just be let me throw my gun up on this barricade and get some fucking trigger presses like you know that's not it it's got to be more detailed than that so have a plan of what you're going to dry fire And it doesn't have to change every single day, right? Um, Whether you can dry fire every day, you can dry fire every other day, whatever your dry fire schedule is, but have a plan. Maybe it's a weekly plan. And then next week you, you change something and then the following week you change something, but uh, have a plan and know what it is that you're going to, uh, to train, you know, and, This is where that pull-up bar really popped into my head. Make the time be consistent. So, you know, add it to your schedule. But then also, kind of like we talked about, Ray, keep it easy. You know, like here's a prime example. Here in the house, right, we have our, we have a garage. And the garage is, There's a lot of shit in there. You know, we got motorcycle boxes of, uh, you know, uh, Pelican cases, you know, so it's not the best place to drive higher. If I wanted to make it easy for myself, I would move my barricade into the house or I would have a designated spot in the garage, right? And then I would have my rifle in a certain spot that would also make it easy and okay you know I have 10 minutes right now what can I accomplish in that 10 minutes well I can go down and practice getting in and out of my natural point of aim position right from this barricade but if I got to go get my rifle from here if I got to go move the barricade if I got to get all of this stuff set up every time I want to dry fire it you're not going to do it more than two or three times before you feel like it just becomes what's the right word Ray
1: uh. <laughs> i'm drawing it blank
0: <laughs> you know before it becomes like a like a nuisance you know so you want to make the dry firing easy on yourself now some of you guys have kids in the house and you know things like that so we're not suggesting by any means that you leave rifles just strung around the house right but we are saying try and make it easy on yourself so that when you have that 10 15 20 minute time period it's as easy as I have rifle. I've checked the chamber. It is clear. I have my barricade or whatever my practice session is today. And you can spend all 10, 15 minutes on that instead of setting up for it. Right. Uh, especially after a long day of work, shit like that. I mean, come on, the more complicated our lives get, the harder it is for us to want to do things that take a lot of effort. So make your dry firing practice effortless as much as you can. Um, and it, you know, I'm sure you've seen it too, Ray. Like, um, you know, with your pull up bar, with your row machine, with dry firing, you know, like the easier you can make it, the more. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, definitely. Because I'll just leave <laughs> the pull up bar there. I remember at the old house, and I'd leave it up, and I'm like, okay, well, every time you need to go to the restroom, you have to do X amount of this, you know? Like, and you have That's to go to the restroom every freaking day. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah so you know that's one of those things is make it easy on yourself to do the practice right and then make the time for it try to be consistent with it whether it's right before bed or whether it's as soon as you wake up in the morning maybe you set your clock a half hour earlier so now you get up You stretch for 15 minutes, you dry fire practice for 15 minutes, and then you start your day, right? But if you really have goals of getting better in precision rifle, shooting, competing, hunting, whatever it is, like if you truly want to develop your skills, then this is where it starts. Okay.
1: Uh, I hear. I got a thing. All right. You wake up, you do your little stretches, Mm -hmm. go out, you make your coffee, and while it's brewing – Dry fire.
0: There you go. I mean, you heard it. You heard it from the the lady's mouth herself, right?
1: (laughs) Most people make coffee in the morning, you know, and you're just sitting there waiting for it while you're waiting.
0: Oh, dry fire. most definitely. Most definitely. So, um, like I said, make the time. Make it part of your life, right? Whether it's every day, it's every other day, it's every fucking Wednesday, right? just make it part of your life. Um, and you will see a huge increase. Okay. As long as you are doing it right, that's the key is doing it right. Um, how many times have I said, Ray, you know, you can practice the wrong thing 10,000 times. It's not going to be right on 10,001, you know, like, (laughs) um, you know, I have this thing, um, we've already talked about weightlifting, right? So I'll just keep using the weightlifting thing. Cause it does apply to how you train precision rifle. I have never done a snatch lift before. Um, about two months ago it was the first time I've ever tried it. And I've always been intrigued by this Olympic lift um, because of the technique and the skill involved in it. Right. And then, because I had never done it before, I didn't know the proper technique, things like that. Like I wasn't moving a lot of weight. So I would do a movement after I got shown the right way, I would do the movement. And if it wasn't right, it didn't count. Right. I had to do four perfect lifts. Yeah. I didn't, no <laughs> Yeah. I, I didn't give a shit that I was doing four lifts. I cared more that I was doing four perfect lifts. If it yeah. didn't feel right, then it wasn't perfect. If, you know, if like I failed, then it didn't count. Like, you know, it it had to be four accomplished lifts and not just I did the movements, that's good enough. And it's got to be the same thing with how you train and dry fire and things like that. You know, if you're going to focus on your breathing, then However many repetitions you're going to do, it needs to be ten, fifteen, or five, or whatever those reps are. It needs to be perfect. The only the perfect ones count. And same thing with trigger press. Same also, thing. Also,
1: don't I think there's a thing of overtraining too?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. You could burn like you, out.
1: You, yeah, you burn out, and then you're training, and then you're having bad form, and you're training, and then your body gets used to that bad form. So there's. Oh, yeah that to think about too
0: I completely agree with you um, completely agree with you I, I don't even, I don't even have to say anything else um, it's absolutely true so and that's
1: what I do with like my offhand because I know I can't hold that rifle up for that long and keep practicing and I'll just have that form so I'll just like okay we're gonna do like only X amount of uh, offhand practice and then put it down do something else
0: and that's That's totally fine. You know, let's say you start off, you can do two perfect standing unsupported shots. But then that third one is really shaky. You're not used to holding the rifle that long, you know. So instead of taking a bad shot and reinforcing bad habits, set the rifle down, regain your composure, and then do it again. Same thing. Like over time, you're going to get stronger. You're going to get better,
1: yeah. mm-hmm.
0: uh, but there's no reason to rush uh, bad form in the beginning, you know, like,
1: yeah, for sure.
0: You're training. So every time you train, it should be for perfection. It should not be for uh, a match scenario in terms of like, you have to do it. Like you should be focusing on doing it right. So, uh, and one of the notes I have written down Ray is called pyramid training. I don't know if that's the right term, but it sounds really good, right? Where you start at the bottom and then you go to the next level and then you go to the next level and you go to the next level. And this could be one practice session, right? Maybe you have 15 minutes to dry fire, 20 minutes to dry fire, right? Do you think that you should just grab your rifle, throw it on the barricade and instantly start dry firing or build up to that, right? Right reinforcing all of the basics from the ground level, the bottom of the pyramid and then building up to that. Right. So I start in the prone, I get my body position, correct, get the, you know, the rifle right there on that collarbone, right underneath the jaw. I get my headset correctly. I work on my trigger press. I work on my breathing. Everything's nice, slow and methodical. And then I move to the next skill, right? And then the next skill. And before you know it, I've built myself up to rifle on barricade in whatever position that I've chose. I've got my bone support, got my muscle relaxation, right? I've focused on every single task leading up to that. Right. And all I'm doing is I'm building the foundation. I'm not trying to build a skyscraper from the ceiling. I'm trying to build the skyscraper from the base and go up and, uh, So i call it pyramid training, right? Uh, Pyramid dry fire. um, And it's just a method of how to conduct your dry firing. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what about you? Like, like these are, these are methods that I implement. These are methods that I've pushed to you. I pushed to other shooters that come through our school, Um, you know, but things are always adapting and evolving and there's, you know, many ways to accomplish your goal. So where is where's your dry fire time spent? Like, Ray, you have 20 minutes to dry fire before you got to go to school.
1: <laughs> well, I, I focus on one or two things. Okay. You know, I don't try to practice everything, you know, yeah. like, I really think about like, okay, so I'm you know, going to practice being more eloquent in, you know, moving positions. You know, I want to be faster with, you know, moving my bag. What's the most efficient way of doing this? Or uh, I want to work on my natural point of eight. I don't don't practice too many things at one time, but I practice one or two things. Well, I mean, of course, everything else you're doing it too, but I focus.
0: On some like foundational skills, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean we could go on and on and on about dry firing and how to conduct it, but seriously break it down, right? Make the time, try to establish some consistency, make it easy on yourself to dry fire, have a plan of what it is that you want to focus on and then start from the ground and work your way up, right? Breathing then trigger control, right? All of these things, your natural point of aim, right? I I would say if we're gonna start dry fire practice right here, right now, then it would be, all right, for the next five minutes, you're not even gonna press the trigger. You're gonna get down into position, establish that good shoulder contact, get your rear bag underneath of you, have good body alignment, relax your shoulders, build your bone support, flatten your ankles out, you know, maximize contact with the ground, check your natural point of aim, adjust if you have to, and then get out of your position and repeat. You know, like we didn't we didn't rack the bolt or press the trigger one freaking time. All we're doing is building that position, building that habit. And then now we move into position. We establish our natural point of aim. Now we focus on racking the bolt trying to keep our elbow contact with the ground, hand placement, you know like that's the mindset that you should be in and uh, you know I'm a firm believer in gotta build those foundational principles before you can get all I'm super cool and know uh, do all this advanced shit you know
1: and it's, it's a little hard to because like when you're first starting shooting you see all these people like do all this cool stuff you kind of want to do it too you're like, this is what I got into you know I, I want to be like that and it's fun, it's exciting. But you need to slow it down and get the foundation
0: in first. Most definitely. Um, yeah. You know, and it, I did an episode with Jeremy Ty last night, Ray, and he brought up something that plays right into what you just said. Newer shooters, they see, you know, the the higher level, the more experienced, the, the more skilled shooters shoot, whether it's on Instagram, it's on a competition stage, wherever they see this at, right? But they're only seeing – the tip of the iceberg. You know, below sea level, you don't see the thousands of hours of practice that went into getting to that that level. And everybody's got to start somewhere. And if you want to achieve that high level, if you want to get that skill developed, then you've got to build your foundation. Can't stress it enough. So
1: you gotta build that base.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so that's our little spiel and tidbit on dry firing. Um you know, cause it's a, it's a hot thing right now. Everybody's talking about dry firing and stuff like that. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I love watching the videos where I could, you know, watch dudes try and cycle the bolt as fast as possible, but that's not what it's about. Um, you know, so slow it down. And, uh, you know, the longer you're in the precision rifle game, the more you will learn that it is not sexy and it is boring if you do it. the right way. So, <laughs> If you want to be sexy, then you need to go shoot pistol with JJ Rikaza, where he <laughs> is flying through the air and shooting at three different targets before his feet touch the ground, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, man, JJ is just a different animal, huh? So, He's awesome.
1: I'm going to have to come out there and train with him again.
0: Yeah. So uh, moving on, we got the training target with a fundamental. So, You wanted to make sure that we hit a fundamental that shooters should focus on uh, for this week. And I suggested that uh, breathing would be something that we should focus on, right? Uh, Because it is a skill that typically is the first one to leave, right? Um, And you had a great idea. Let's pair it with some of our free targets online. So if we're talking about breathing, we're talking about... As you get excited, as more movements come into play, then your breathing starts to lose itself, right? You're not firing on the exhale anymore. You might not even know where the fuck you're firing at your breathing cycle. At this point, your body's just trying to live, right? (laughs) (laughs) So you need to develop this breathing habit. And, uh, you know, a couple targets that I looked at, Ray, and you agreed with me is – the first one is called the sin city hustle it is a prone position right and there are five circles and it's meant to be shot at 100 yards It's printed off on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper sin city hustle the first target is like three inches big and you have five seconds to drop down in position and shoot one round at that circle So you start standing, your rifle is staged in position. You start standing behind the rifle, ready, go, drop down. You know, how much rear bag influence do you need? You know, like what can you, not saying that you should violate the fundamentals, but you know, what is your margin for error? It's a three inch circle at a hundred yards, you know, and you have five seconds.
1: I'd all the way down for that one.
0: (laughs) What magnification should you be on? Um, But then again, like, the breathing comes into play. You have five seconds to engage this circle. I guarantee a lot of you will drop down into position, finally get on target, put your bolt forward. You know that you're about to run out of time and you're going to press that trigger before you exhale, because that is what feels normal, but it's not right.
1: See, they're holding their breath.
0: Yeah. So you've got to focus on the breathing. So if you need extra time to breathe, then you're going to have to be more efficient in your movement somewhere else. Whether that's getting on target faster, you don't need as much rear bag to make the shot, like whatever the case is, you know. Um, And don't get me wrong, like we're not trying to push bad trigger control or anything like that, but we are focusing on breathing for this specific exercise. So once you take that one shot, then you stand back up. Now you have 10 seconds. You drop down. You put one shot in that three inch circle and then you put one shot in the circle to the right. So now you've shot two shots. And mm, the breathing-
1: This one is not like that. You yes, just one shot per-
0: no, no, no. You're thinking of a different drill. You're thinking of a different drill. Trust me. Okay. okay. Sin City Hustle is, um, Every time you stand up, you are adding one shot to your string of fire. Um, there is a different drill that is similar to this one, but the circles are smaller because you're only shooting one shot per circle. But this one is uh, multiple shots every time you get up. So, City Hustle, um, like I said, the breathing, right? You drop down, you shoot one shot, right? Did you breathe? Then you inhale, then you exhale, then you shoot your next shot, right? And then you got to repeat it. So at the very end of this drill, you're going to be shooting from left to right. One shot per circle, and the circles are getting smaller, and you'll have 20 seconds for five shots. And you should be developing that rhythm, that breathing rhythm, where you drop down, inhale, exhale, press. Inhale, exhale, next target, press, right? And you just you develop this rhythm, right? So the Sin City Hustle target is really awesome for that. And then we have a, a new target, which gets you off of the ground. And this target's focus is somewhat time-based, right? But it's more about getting into position and getting off that first shot correctly. So it's called Speed Kills. And it's a, uh, sponsored by Armageddon Gear, And you have different size circles, right? And what you're trying to do is establish a baseline and then uh, improve on it later down the road where certain size targets take you X amount of time to get into position and on target, get stable, and fire, right? But guess what? Breathing still comes into this. So when you throw your rifle up onto that barricade, you aim in at your target. Again, the excitement of trying to score a good time should not be more important than did you breathe. Right. I mean, am I wrong here, Ray?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So uh, that's a really cool drill. Um, I have a video coming out with me demonstrating the speed kills drill. And, you know, this whole drill was kind of developed because a lot of time is wasted with shooters trying to get into position they're not getting their natural point of aim right off the bat. They're not finding the target. And before you know it, it's taking 20 to 30 seconds to fire your first shot. Yeah. And that is too long, right? Ideally you want half of that. You want 15 seconds or less, you know, you get to the top level, you're talking, you need 10 seconds or less to get on target, build your position naturally and habitually and get that first shot off in 10 seconds. Right but you got to work up to that Um, and breathing is going to come into this drill, right? Because inhale, exhale, press, right? Develop that rhythm. And then uh, there is a video out for this last target. It's called the get moving drill. Ray, you did this uh, target. And um, I had you do it from a rooftop and (laughs) the way that the drill is, is conducted is you have a circle with, different rings, different scoring rings on the inside. And then you have a square with a two MOA circle inside of it. And you have to shoot one shot from a supported position and then get into the prone, shoot one shot at the little circle square, then get back into your supported position, shoot one shot at the scoring circle. And then it's just back and forth position, prone, position, prone, position, prone. You did this drill. Yeah. And, As you move one spot to the next, right, it's a 10-round stage, so you're moving positions a lot. Constantly have to rebuild that position, right? So what tends to happen is shooters are more focused on finishing in time, so they start to take bad shots, not have good positions, not breathing correctly, right? Um, From your experience, the rooftop was probably a shitty position to put you in, you because,
1: well, that pitch was like, <laughs> like, I don't know, like, are we in like, I don't know where it snows where you have like an A-frame freaking cabin.
0: <laughs> Remember I'm from Ohio. So like our rooftops are pretty steep over there. i um, yeah,
1: like, hold on. She's like, not slide down, bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, anyways, the, the get moving drill, right. It definitely incorporates breathing. And, and if you focus on your breathing, and building a good position. You might not finish the drill in two minutes, right? But it is a good drill to practice those fundamentals and controlling your breathing and making yourself think about the act of inhale, exhale, and then fire on that natural respiratory pause. But Ray, tell us how maybe you, you might not remember the exact specifics of how everything went, what your score was, but I'm sure you remember what it felt like to get in position in the prone, on the rooftop, in the prone. Like, do you remember? Yeah,
1: it was like, it was really fast. And then like at at first I was using a bag for the prone and then I was like, this is wasting my time. So I just dropped the bag and I was just using my hand.
0: But how was like, as the drill continued, right? And, you know, you're, you're now in position seven or position eight, and you've done quite a few movements already.
1: You're, you're kind of tired.
0: You're You're a little winded, right? Um, Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure you can attest, like, you will start to lose fundamentals if you aren't specifically focused on doing a good job instead of making the time, you know? So a lot of these drills are developed so that you fail in the beginning and don't be upset with the failure. Look at the failure, learn from it, and learn how to make yourself better. Learn how to become more efficient with your movements. What do you need? What don't you need? What is causing you to be slow and build up from there, right? And then eventually you will succeed at these drills, Uh, But they are skill builders, right? You might not have the skills right out the gate, and that's okay. Practice, 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 and evaluate. Practice, evaluate, and you'll get there. I promise, right? Um, So, Ray, awesome, awesome topic in in terms of uh, giving shooters a challenge to focus on, which was breathing. I really liked it. Um, You know, just uh, kudos to you, girl, for, for bringing that up. I thought it was extremely important. But, yeah, think
1: that every podcast just, you know, throw out something that they can work on dry fire or at the, the range.
0: Yeah, so you can uh, pat yourself on the back there. Um, but uh, where, where was I going with this? Uh, the next topic here as we start to close out this episode is Ray's Challenge. So this weekend we have the Desert Duel. You know, I told everybody that our competition this weekend is going to be a PRS or NRL style competition where you'll have props and, you know, certain positions that you'll shoot from. So less of a field stage, more of NRL, but there will be two or three team stages. So you will have double the amount of time for that stage, but both shooters still have to accomplish the stage and there will be penalties For missing which will require your partner to figure out how he wants to help you you know if I spot for you Ray and you miss well for you to keep engaging now I have to engage a redemption target but if I'm spotting you then it takes time for me to get on that redemption target right
1: yeah
0: once I hit the redemption target then you can shoot again but now it takes time for me to come back and spot you. So what am I going to give up? Am I going to give up spotting you? Am I am I going to spot you for one round, get you a good wind call, and then go and focus on the redemption target? So if you do miss, then I can help you. Like you know, there's you some strategy. On
1: the, um, the environmental that day, it's like seven mile per hour
0: <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then on top of that, some of the positions that I've chose for the team is like the car. So one shooter's on the on the trunk, one shooter's on the hood.
1: Good question. Do they have to come with a team or are you just teaming them up at the match?
0: They're just going to be teamed up in their squads and they can partner with whoever they want. Um, you know, and if they squatted together, then they got their teammate, right? Uh, but the whole match is not a team format. It's just a couple stages to add a little stress of working with another person. Does that make sense? Yeah. So... excuse me like the car if one person is moving around he's affecting the other shooter because the car is you know one prop so everybody's got to be still when it comes time to shooting Um, and how does that car moving or shaking during the shot affect the person trying to spot for you. You know, like there's a lot that goes into this. It's going to be very fun and very interesting. And this
1: I'm sure using A lot of like the law enforcement courses that we put on.
0: Yeah. 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 So
1: uh, I think you should do a Leo competition.
0: We are working on that. It's funny yeah. you say that. So, um, well I have my fingers all ready to go to type up, Your stage for this match, because I love hearing people say, God damn it, Ray, every time. So,
1: All right, all right, I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, spinner.
0: Spinner, got it.
1: 275 yards.
0: 275 yards, check.
1: Popper in the back.
0: Okay, popper in the back.
1: Hit the spinner out of the way to engage the popper. Okay. You only gain points if you hit the popper. Ninety seconds. Unlimited rounds.
0: Okay. Ninety seconds. Unlimited. I like that. Um, can I throw a little? Can I throw a little curveball into this?
1: Uh well, let's hear it.
0: Okay. First off, what size should the popper be at two seventy five?
1: Mm, mm, mm. How big is the the spinner? Uh,
0: The bottom plate is 10 inches. The top plate is six.
1: Okay. Let's do six inches.
0: All right. So popper size is six inches, which is just over two of them away. Right.
1: Make sure that position they're shooting in, they have to engage the spinner.
0: Absolutely. You know uh, what
1: I'm you can slide yeah. under and shoot the popper without hitting the spinner at first.
0: So I'm guessing this is a prone stage.
1: Yes. i uh, nice. I'm nice. This is a nice stage.
0: Okay. Okay. So the only, other, the only other suggestion I was going to have is uh, because of how our range is set up and tailored – what if we made the popper target hidden behind the top flapper? No. 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 Okay. Well, fine then. All right. So, spinner target, 275 yards. Popper sitting behind. Popper is worth points only. Unlimited rounds, 90 seconds. Popper will be two MOA or six inches. It's shot from the prone. And... You
1: start... With your uh, gun staged.
0: Okay, start with gun stage. Okay, um, are you standing?
1: Yes, you're standing, but your gun is staged. Bolt back, mag in.
0: So, mag will be in?
1: Mag will be in. Your rifle can be pointed at the target.
0: Okay. Do they get any setup time to check their bipod hide or anything like that?
1: Mm, no. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I'll be, nice. I'll be nice. I'll be nice. I'll be nice. They get 15 seconds.
0: Allowed 15 seconds for rifle setup. May can they look through their scope at the target?
1: Uh, if it, they can do it in 15 seconds.
0: Okay. All right, I got it. Cool. This sounds like a fun stage. And, uh, I will come up with the appropriate name for it. It will definitely have your name in the title though.
1: Ray spins for all. <laughs> I, don't
0: know. I think I'm just going to keep it consistent. And every time you come up with a stage for everybody, it will just be called is Ray evil because everybody says yes. Haha. <laughs> So very cool I look forward to getting this uh, stage set up and everybody running it on Sunday so that'll be a fun time Um, that's pretty much it for this episode Um, you know some of the things that we have coming up everybody's curious uh, as far as training is concerned Um, for the month of March we have our competition class which I believe is uh, it's a Saturday and Sunday comp one and comp two and it covers more of you know, day one is positional stuff. There is no time on day one. It is all learning how to operate around different obstacles that you will encounter during competition. And then day two incorporates a little time with strategy and you know other factors. So it's uh, it's a two class setup, and it is coming up in March. I believe we have one spot available for each day, and
1: it's perfect because the next weekend is the PRS match at Avenal.
0: It is. And, um, you know, for all of you wondering, when I say there's one spot left, it's because these are small classes. Uh, For some of our specialty classes, we do not allow them to get so robust that we can't have one-on-one time with the shooters. So uh, our competition classes are capped at six shooters per day. All right. So, Uh, keep that in mind, and then we have a precision rifle two at the end of March coming up. Um, This class is all supported positions, tripods, and you know, it doesn't really deal with the competition aspect. It is mastering the principles of supported positions. That is the entire focus of PR two, and it's a great class. and It's two days long. Lodging is included. So, uh, you know, check that class out on our website, maxordinate.com and then end of April and also beginning of May, we are bringing pistol classes back. Um, same instructors that we had last year, Grant and Jerry, they're just phenomenal dudes. And I love their teaching style. I love how everybody gets attended to and the safety aspect. They're just, these are the best dudes I have been around in a long time in terms of relating to students. So we're happy to have them back out April 28th and 29th. It'll be a two-day pistol class. Um, There will be an option to stay at the facility on site and the course is labeled defensive pistol and it's not for advanced shooters. It's not for Beginner shooters. It is a defensive pistol class where you learn everything about how to use your pistol, reloads, whether you're a CCW carrier, whether you are an open carrier. Um, some of the topics I did ask them to incorporate were, you know, some of the locations that I see people wanting to carry their pistols. So there'll be some practical application. Some ladies out there are like, oh, I carry my pistol in my purse. Well, have you ever deployed it from your purse? Um, same thing with like keeping it in, you know, your armrest in the car or, you know, shit like that. There's just, there's places that people keep their pistol where it's not on their body, but they're very seldom practice it that way. So, uh, defensive pistol is also, um, and this was a really cool drill that I saw them run, which is protecting your family, protecting your loved ones, um, you know, whether it's from a vehicle or it's from a building or something like that. And it was really cool to see even new shooters grasping the concept and getting hits on target. So this defensive pistol class is, is pretty spot on with what we want to have under the max Ordnance umbrella. And then May 9th will be a one day ladies only pistol course, um, also taught only by Jerry and Grant. Um, so it's right before mother's day gets a chance for ladies out there, moms out there, daughters get together, get away from the men, come out and just be with an awesome group of women, all learning how to run your pistol and just be badass, Right. And you know, it's a, it's a day where you won't have to show up all the men. Right. Cause that's typically what happens is women shooters will outperform the men. Right. Ray. Oh yes. Oh yes. All day long. So, uh, Super excited for the pistol classes coming up uh, again, April and May. Uh, they are not available for sign up yet. Um, we have a few things that we're changing on our signup sheet to incorporate the lodging aspect and some of the questions that we're asking in our questionnaire, but they will be on the website soon. And, uh, you know, so if you're interested in the defensive pistol or the ladies only, make sure you check out the website, Uh, Follow us on Instagram you know, look for some of the videos that we've been releasing. Ray, you're doing a lot of cool things when you're not learning all of your engineering stuff, um, load development, pistol practice, your CrossFit experiences. So, um, you know, they can find you at nine dolls, right? Yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, guys, check it out. Appreciate everybody listening. And to close out this conversation, our next desert dual competition Following this Sunday will be in May. It's on May 23rd. It is a Saturday. It will be a prepper to a competition dynamic style match. So it will be more of a field match. There will be 20 shooting positions. You will be RO'd by the team in front of you. Every position, you will know the distance, but you will have to find the target. There will be three targets: a three MOA, two MOA, and a one MOA. You get one shot at each target, hit or miss, you move to the next one. So every position is worth three points. And out of 20 stages, there is 60 points available. So it's an extremely fun match, extremely fun setup. And
1: oh, uh give me a slot for that.
0: I will save you a slot for that. So um go check out our May 23rd competition. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in, in actually using your rangefinder binos on the clock, trying to find targets and building positions in some weird spots that I have set up, then make sure you're at this match, right? Because it's going to be awesome. This is
1: a team match or
0: it will be a team match. Yes. You will with a partner. Um, but it will still count as an individual score if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I, I got it. But do you have to show up with a team member, or can you?
0: Nope, you'll be paired up when you get there.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, if, if you don't have a uh, if you don't have a partner, you'll be teamed up when you get there. Um, but you'll have X amount of time on the stage, and you know if, if you and I are partners, Ray, then we will have uh, I believe the time minute, time limit that I'm establishing is five minutes for both shooters, and that's a lot of time for only three targets and they're all in the same position. Yeah. But once you find them, you know, then you have it. Um, you know, so you got to build your position. You can spot for each other. You can help each other out. And then you got to make sure you save time for the other person to have time to shoot, you know, and maybe you alternate it. One person goes first this time. The next person goes first, you know, that'll be inner team stuff. I'm not going to dictate that, but you will have an opportunity to work with people, but still accumulate your own score. So going to be fun. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Can't wait for May to come around. So uh, with that, I thank everybody for supporting this podcast, following us, always sending messages about how much you guys enjoy it and and keeping us on our toes about coming up with fresh topics to talk about and, you know, just keeping it real. So I can't thank everybody enough. Ray, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to get on the show with me and knock it out. And until next week, I will uh, leave you be to get your stuff done. And uh, for everybody else, you know, be safe this weekend. Whatever you're doing, be safe, be vigilant, get some good practice in, and we will catch you next time.